Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Deep Roots at Home podcast. Today we have Tiffany Boyd. She is a former public school teacher, homeschool mama of 20 years, and the founder of Free Your Children, LLC. And today we have a very interesting topic. Um, We are going to be talking about the mental health and wellness of public school children and really why so many are struggling. And uh, Tiffany has a wealth of information to share with us today. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So let's just jump right in and um, share with us your knowledge of, of what are some of the statistics, what are, what are, what is the, um, you know, the truth of the matter of, of, of what is the, the, what is the mental health situation with our public school kids? Well, I want to start by saying that mental health in general has become somewhat of a of a catchphrase that's covering a plethora of initiatives, and it really has, in my opinion, just opened a Pandora's box. Okay. And we hear about this, that there's no doubt that there are um, significant mental health issues that need to be addressed in public school, but I think what's happening is overall, our nation is missing the root of likely where a lot of those mental health issues are stemming from, why we're seeing all of these mental health issues that are being reported in the schools in the first place. I've said this before in many interviews and and podcasts and radio shows that I've been on that people need to understand that the public school system, there's no, no education is neutral. So there's always a worldview being taught. And in the government school system, it's a humanistic worldview. So children are being taught day in and day out that life has no value, right? Because we came from nothing. Right. And we returned to nothing. So, and then of course, they're being indonated with all of these initiatives in school, the social emotional learning, um, diversity, um, equity and inclusion, all of these things and schools, the, the government school system. Actually, what is happening is they're creating a lot of these traumas, Mm. and I fully believe that. And I I had a doctor on my uh, radio show not long ago, and we went into detail about this, and we discussed this. And as a physician, he gave some very interesting perspectives and, and information, you know, based on his personal experience and his knowledge from being a physician. And he said, children's brains um, are not equipped to handle certain traumas and certain things that they're being subjected to in the government school system, one of which is the pornography that they're being subjected to in books, you know, that are found in the school libraries. And so that actually changes a child's brain and they don't know what to do with that. And it's very, it's very traumatic for them. And so that in turn creates a crisis. And now our government, our government school system has set up a way to come in, 
and rescue these children from this crisis that they have created. And what is that catchphrase that that has been said over and over again, never let a crisis go to waste? Well, we're seeing this unfolding across the nation. And a lot of it started with COVID, you know, the pandemic when the schools shut down. And I still shake my head at this because one of the misconceptions regarding homeschooling is the lack of socialization, right? Right. But our government was so quick to shut down schools right. <laughs> for, for a long period of time and send these children home, you know, home to their families. And, and now we have government officials that believe that children aren't safe with their families, that the government needs to be in control of everything. So the irony is not lost at all. <laughs> in terms of, you know, what they did during this period of time. So schools were shut down, children were sent home, and they were resigned to essentially spending hours and hours a day on devices in order to be able to complete virtual schooling, right? Right. And anyone that's done any research understands and knows that the detriment that screen time has on children, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But yet, but yet that's what these children were being forced to do. They were being forced to spend upwards of six plus hours a day all day long on devices to do virtual schooling. I mean, that's not healthy for, for any child to be spending that amount of time. And I was speaking to someone yesterday and they were telling me that they were speaking to a parent and they had a six-year-old child. And back during the time that the pandemic was actually going on and schools were closed down, her kindergartner was having a really difficult time with virtual learning and he was falling asleep during school, you know, yeah. during virtual school. And so the parents were called in and they were actually being threatened by the school system in the district where this child was enrolled, that if the child continued to fall asleep, continued to cry, continued to be miserable, you know, during online schooling, that they were going to be charged with truancy and could, in effect, wind up being jailed. Oh, wow. Wow. So, you know, you have pornography in schools that children are being subjected to. Then during the lockdowns, you had vast amounts of of screen time that these children were being, you know, forced to suffer through. And that's just a small sampling. There's so much more um, that's going on. And I know that we're going to get into that, but then, you know, they had to have a rescue plan <laughs> for all of these initiatives. And so what, this is a nationwide initiative too, as well. And one thing that I'm doing with Free Your Children right now there's a lot of tentacles to the ministry uh, that I founded, but one of those tentacles is to educate parents because a lot of parents just really have no idea what's really going on in their neighborhood school. They think they do, but they really don't know what the goal is, the, the goal for the whole system nationwide. And so it led me down the rabbit hole, I like to say, <laughs> into doing lots of research on a lot of these things. And I discovered, as many others have, I'm not the only one that has been war warning about this. There are lots of us that have been sounding the alarm for quite some time. But right now, what's really going on in the nation that parents really need to be aware of is this push to pump all of our schools full of mental health liaisons. Hmm. So if you look at job openings all across the nation, you're going to find job postings for behavioral health liaisons, clinical social workers, school counselors, school psychologists. And what is really happening with all of this is, is this. 
schools now are allowed to bill Medicaid for services. And the federal government was so kind that they decided that a great way for them to be able to facilitate all of this was to remove the administrative burden, which is parental consent under IDEA, which is uh, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, okay? Part B is what they have, have decided, that it was just too much trouble, too much paperwork for them to go in and seek parental consent to be able to bill Medicaid. And so now you're sending your children off to school, and some parents may not know this, the schools are being pumped through, full of all of these mental health professionals that are there specifically to identify at-risk students. Wow. Yes. And at risk can mean a lot of different things. I know in our state, Tennessee, we live in Tennessee, at risk was being described as socioeconomically disadvantaged. It was being poor. Okay. So if a child it qualifies to receive free and reduced lunch, they would be categorized and considered as at risk. Okay. Then children with disabilities, and that's a wide range. That could be anything from dyslexia to ADHD or a hearing impairment or a vision impairment. I mean, that just opens the door, you know, for, for many things right there. Um, one was family dysfunction, and I always chuckle when I talk about that because I don't know one family that wouldn't qualify as dysfunctional. <laughs> And if you meet one that says that they aren't, they're probably not telling you the truth, okay? When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. And so the list just went on and on, um, you know, children who had uh, were chronically absent. Well, there are a lot of children that have medical issues. And in our state, five or more unexcused absences in a 180 day period results in truancy. So if you have a child that is chronically absent, you know, with a medical condition and parents, you know, I fully believe that parents um, have the right and, and have the autonomy to be able to decide if they feel like their child is physically and mentally um, able to attend school on a certain day. The school system shouldn't be determining that. But if you're not sending your child and they miss and you don't have a doctor's excuse, then you're going to be brought up on truancy. And I have personally just recently been to juvenile court with a family um, where they got into this convoluted situation. They were being denied their right to homeschool because they're trapping children up in these truancy charges. And and of course, we all know that the reason why they want the kids in the seats to begin with is because that's how they make money. <laughs> School systems make money off of assessments and the number of days that these children are in the seats at the local school. So 
the whole premise behind at risk is it's vast. Almost anything can be considered at risk. So these mental health professionals that they're putting in these schools are identifying these children as at risk. Once that's done, then they can go ahead without parental consent if they're a Title I school, you know, receiving federal funding, and they can go through the proper channels to go ahead and bill schools for Medicaid for any types of services that they feel that these children uh, may benefit from. Well, then once a child receives a medical diagnosis that's strapped on them, and, you know, most of the time this is going to follow the child for the rest of their life, because most parents are not going to know, number one, how to have it removed. They're not going to know how to fight it. It's expensive, and it's a lengthy process. So once that happens, then the school gets even more money off the child because children who are diagnosed or has have special needs receive even more funding, um, you know, for the school system. So it's this, this very slippery slope that we're in right now. For instance, in Georgia, school counselors can make behavioral health diagnosis. Hmm. And that, to me, that's horrifying because what qualifications, you know, they're not doctors, okay? Right. And doctors spend years being able to uh, obtain the knowledge that they need to make decisions and make diagnosis uh, for children. And then here you have a school counselor that's being given, you know, the same uh, leeway as a medical doctor to strap a diagnosis on a child that may, that may, they may be saddled with that for the rest of their life. And then that's going to um, prevent them from being able to do certain things when they become adults. And right. one would be to exercise their second amendment. Right. Mm. I see where this is going. Mm -hmm. So what better way to disarm a population than just a few decades through the public school system with all these children being diagnosed with um, illnesses or, you know, behavioral issues that will prevent them from being able to exercise that right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. I mean, it's happening. You know, I've, I have received reports from parents already in our state and their children have been diagnosed with, uh, things that they don't agree with and they tried to challenge and it's turned into quite the legal battle. And then another thing I think that parents really need to be aware of is what the American School Counselor Association's standard of ethics, you know, what what are their standard of ethics? What is their standard of ethics? And they clearly state that parental consent is not always possible. So they can make the decision to act on the best interest of that child without parental consent if they deem necessary. So what's happening is parents are losing their autonomy. And I've said this, you know, I'm trying to warn parents as much as as much as I can. We're at a crisis level here in the United States. And when parents are sending their children into government schools, I have just resorted now to saying, I hope you have an attorney on standby because it's not if this is going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. I mean, I'm getting uh, reports of this happening all over the United States at breakneck speed. And what kind of diagnoses are we talking about? Well, a lot of these diagnoses are related to behavioral health issues, but it can be anything because once a child is is 
the terminology is at risk. So when once they're designated as at risk, I know in our state during the last legislative session, uh, there was a bill that they were proposing and what they were wanting to do was open up an at-risk boarding charter facility. So these children that were considered at risk could be sent to this at-risk boarding charter facility where they would reside. Oh, wow. And then there's a lot of money wrapped up in all of this because um, if a child is adjudicated to a, a facility in our state, I was talking to um, an advocate who works on behalf half of parental rights and, and children, and she's been on my radio show before, and she said, those children that are adjudicated to these facilities, they are worth $500 a day to the state. So the state gets $500 a day. Oh, wow. So there is a definite um, uh, benefit to them for everyone oh, yeah. that, gets, that gets diagnosed. Yes. Children have become the cash cow. They're a commodity. And, you know, now that we've opened up the Pandora's box of billing for Medicaid, that's a whole nother, you know, level of, of um, nefarious activity, in my opinion, that we're going to be dealing with. It's really, really scary. And if you look at how the school counselors are trained, you know, if you if you really do a deep dive, and I do this, I'm actually traveling right now, and, and organizations and individuals are booking me to come and speak to really give an in-depth overview of where this came from, where we are now, and where we're headed. Wow. Yeah, it's it's almost overwhelming. It sounds um, unbelievable, but there's that. I mean, they're not keeping any of this secret. That's the thing. If you don't believe it's happening, all you have to do is research it because it's right there in black and white. And that's what I've been able to do. I've been able to put the data together, you know, in a timeline where people can see exactly what they were trying to accomplish, and then examples of how they're accomplishing it, and then what their end goal is. The national Governors Association even created a playbook to teach states how to leverage Medicaid funding with mental health through our youth. So is there anything that the parents can do to protect their children from this if they are in the public school? Um, my biggest piece of advice to parents is get your kids out of the public school system. If you want to make sure that your children are protected from this, you've got to give up, get them out of the entity that's propagating it, okay? And so um, I would highly recommend parents, if they haven't considered removing their children, to do so now. You know, if they have questions about how to do that or they need help in navigating that, you know, my ministry for your children is available. I'm sure you have resources as well that you can offer parents, but there there are support networks to help parents do that. Um, another thing, and see, here's the problem with this. Now that they have removed parental consent, parents aren't even going to know if this is happening. Okay, so so they're not necessarily gonna hear that they've had this diagnosis or right so they don't even have to be informed no um again the federal government they actually allowed the public it was so kind of them they allowed the the general public lynn um taylor actually broke this and reported on this she's the common core diva and she had reported on the fact that the federal register had um 
something up on their website where the general public could go in and leave a public comment about how they felt about the removal of parental consent from this idea part B. And I did that, of course, and it was open. Public comment was open until the very beginning of August. But this initiative had already, they already knew that they were going to do it. I guess it was just a way to make the general public feel like they were being placated. Um, well, that was their attempt to placate us into believing that we actually had a voice. But they already had made motions to make sure that parental consent was removed. And it has been at this point by the federal government. So the school system, the school systems across the nation, because this is at a federal level. So the school systems across the nation, if there's a child that they feel like has been identified as at risk and some behavioral professional decides that that child needs X, Y, and Z, they can provide those services for the child, bill Medicaid, and they do not have to have parental consent. So do they, do they have, do the parents have to know that these services are being provided or are you saying that these, these kids could be getting counseling that the parents are totally not aware of? Well, here's the thing. Oftentimes there are a lot of people within the school system that are providing counseling services. Like in our state of Tennessee, the school uh, resource officers can provide non-official school counseling services. Does that make sense? So they're not really official counselors, but they can identify children are, that are at risk and they can have conversations with them. So what I've been hearing is that if there's an incident at school, these children are being brought in, they're being interviewed and asked questions. Well, if they don't have an adult there representing them, oftentimes they can be persuaded, um, whether it is done on purpose or not, to um, answer questions in a way that may make them appear guilty of something that's a lot worse than the original incident. And when that happens, um, I've I've had reports of children being removed from the school premises, being entered into DCS custody, removed from their parents, and by the time their parents get to school, they don't they don't even know where their children are. Scary. And we even we had um, an incident here in Tennessee that actually made the news, and it was reported on. And I do believe that there's a lawsuit pending regarding this. And and I'm going to give this example if we have time. There was um, an eighth grader in Farragut, Tennessee. You can Google this. Your, the listeners can Google this and look this up themselves. And I've shared about it over on Free Your Children um, multiple times. So this, this child was 13 years old. And I, I believe it was at the very beginning of the school year. And so he was being a 13-year-old kid. And he makes the statement to one of his friends because he didn't want to be at school, I'm just going to go steal a plane and crash it into the school and then we won't have to come back. You know, just being your typical 13-year-old boy saying something ludicrous because if we sit down and really evaluate that student, that, that statement, how many 13-year-olds do you know have the capacity to break into an airport <laughs> and fly a plane out of the airport and then crash it into the school? Not many, okay? And so he was just being, you know, your standard 13-year-old kid that's fed up with school and doesn't want to be there. And we could do a whole nother show on that. But someone heard this kid make this statement and they went and told someone. So they drugged the child into, I guess, the office or wherever. And they started questioning him. 
He got uncomfortable with the way that the questioning was headed. He asked for his parent to come to the school. Parent was contacted and said, I'll be there, you know, in X amount of time. Before the parent could even get to school, they had already contacted DCS, removed the child from the school, and started the process to put him into the DCS pipeline. And from what I was told by a local senator in our state who was relaying this to me, she this senator was actually the one that told me about this incident to begin with. This child, when they, it was a Friday when this happened. So DCS was full and they couldn't process him. So they wound up putting him in another facility where he had no business being. And so the child, the parents, when they came to the school to retrieve their son or to talk to the officials about what had happened, he was gone and they couldn't find him and they had no idea where he was. Meanwhile, he had been in the back of a police car handcuffed. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS? TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals. So the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. Wow. I, I'm just thinking I have a 12 year old little boy and I'm just mm-hmm. thinking my own son because um, little 12 year olds and 13 year olds, they, they, I could easily see my own son saying something like right. that. Right. I mean, they're just being kids, but the problem is now we have created a nation, a police nation. Okay. So you have all these people and other children because they're training other children to do it too, to come and tell. And then that sets the ball in motion for things like this to happen. And and I'm hearing reports of this, you know, happening all over the United States. So did that, did they get their son back? They, from, from the last I heard, I do believe that they do have their son back in custody. And I think that they have filed a lawsuit against all the people that were involved with that. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. I mean, it's terribly scary. Then I recently had um, a nurse on my radio show and we were talking about things that uh, were happening in a local school system here in Tennessee. And he was sharing um, that he had contacted his son, had shared some things with him about drugs, you know, in the local school system and the swapping of Ritalin and Adderall among the students. And so he contacted the principal at this school and the principal knew it was going on and told the parent that had contacted him, you have no idea exactly how bad it is. Oh, wow. So, and when I was still in the classroom, I resigned from the classroom over 20 years ago. Okay. And so when I was in the classroom, the big push at that point in time had become labeling all the children with attention deficit disorder and attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity. So the trend had really uh, ramped up with medicating these these kids. 
And to me, then I remember looking around and saying, if all of these children really have this, it's an epidemic. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so now, you know, fast forward to 20 years later, and then you have children swapping Ritalin and Adderall in the halls of the schools. Um, it's really, you know, our children are over-medicated, they're over-diagnosed. Um, it's really uh, unbelievable that we have allowed it because we have allowed it. We've allowed this to happen uh, by giving the government unfettered access to our children. Mm -hmm. And I, and the only way to protect your children from this is to get them out. And then I will go even a step further and say this, parents that are homeschooling or have their children in private schools, you really need to make sure that you're very cautious and not accepting of any federal money that's tied to these initiatives. Because once you accept that money, then they don't have to provide parental consent for you or in your children either. So what about using the school systems uh, like for testing and things like that? Like, um, you know, sometimes you can use the public school system for, um, uh, let's say you're, you're like I had several, many years ago, I had mm -hmm. one of my children get some uh, reading disability testing. Mm-hmm. Are you turning over, once you do things like that, are you turning your child over to the state in that way as well? Well, there's a whole nother set of issues regarding testing and what they do, you know, with those results and that data uh, that's just as nefarious as this. But anytime you're allowing your children to go into um, an area where some of these professionals could then assess your child as being at risk, you are opening yourself and your family up to the repercussions of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's gotten worse. You know, 20 years ago, we didn't have the removal of parental consent, right. Right. <laughs> but now we do. And I, I don't, and most parents do not know this. You know, I present seminars again, I, I presented a, a ton of them now at this point. And I'll poll the, the audience before and after. And they always, the majority of them always say, I had no clue. And I didn't either until I started researching all of this. What about those parents? They'll say, well, my, my child's in a very small, <laughs> you know, we're a real country. We're, we're in the South. We're conservative. Yep. My well, I can tell them we're in the South. We're in a conservative area and it's going on here too. It's a national movement. So if your school system is taking federal funding, it's happening in your school. There, there's no way to hide from this. And, um, you know, there's so much money that's attached to this and there's so much federal money that's being pumped in through grants and, you know, programs and all kinds of things that, that have created the mess that we're in now anyway. And I'll say another thing in the school system, going back to the whole humanistic mindset and um, worldview that they're teaching there was in a local school system where we live, there was a teacher that had assigned and this went national. Uh, the Christian Post picked it up. The World Net Daily picked it up. Um, it was on the local media outlets in here in Tennessee. And this teacher had assigned an assignment to her eighth grade class. 
And the assignment said, I'd, it was a writing prompt, okay? It wasn't part of, it was supplemental. It was a supplemental assignment. So it wasn't part of the curriculum. And it was supposed to be a creative writing assignment. And the prompt was this. I didn't mean to kill you. I, I didn't mean to kill her. I only meant to hurt her. And now her ghost follows me everywhere. And then the children were shown photos. One was a photo of a room with a bunch of windows that appeared to have blood spatterings everywhere. And another was a silhouette of a face. And then the children were supposed to write. Now, this was a teacher that thought it was a good idea to assign that to her class. So why, if we are, we're actively asking eighth grade students to write about killing someone, and then we wonder why there are mental health issues. Absolutely. You know, if a student had written that and a teacher had just happened upon it and found it, guess what? <laughs> they would be considered at risk. Right. And they would likely be sent away for mental health help at a facility. But here was a teacher expecting a whole classroom. And, and this isn't anything new, by the way. This is actually called death um, education, a, a death culture, you know, within the schools. And, and really, you know, it, its intended purpose is to desensitize kids. And so um, that's what we have going on, you know, everywhere, um, all across the nation. And then we wonder why we are having so many issues with our children. And then now, because of the school shootings, I, I don't know what state you, you're in, but one of the last school shootings that made national news was Covenant School in Nashville. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but that launched a big, huge um, safety plan for schools. But what a lot of people don't realize is there are actually safety initiatives that have been implemented in all schools nationwide. And one of the ways, one of the entities that they're using to help under the guise of school safety is a digital badging system called Clever. So the kids wear these badges around their neck and it's it's peddled to schools as a way to uh, uh <laughs> be an application that collects and maintains data for students, whether it be attendance or, or school safety, you know, whatever it may be. But all of the, the child's data is on that badge, okay? So if a child ever gets in trouble, it can be attached to that badge. So it can be used to store behavioral health information, which can then be loaded onto a national database. Another thing that parents may not know is that FERPA was amended under Obama. And so what FERPA does is it allows a student's private data to be collected without parental consent. And then that data can be sold to any entity in the name of educational research if the school gives that entity permission. And now there's been a national interoperable database created. So now that information, that data can be shared nationally all over the United States. Our children that they really don't belong to us when they're in the public school. Do Correct. They? Well, we know with in loco parentis that once your children get on that bus or once your children step onto the property of a school, you are giving the government permission to act on your behalf in your absence. 
you're giving them that legal authority. Wow. Um, yeah. I know it's overwhelming for parents. It's overwhelming when parents hear this information. And one of the very first things they say, especially if their children are in the system, you know, what can we do? And again, I'll reiterate, if at all possible, get them out, tap into local resources that can help you. You know, sometimes we have to do hard things and we have to make sacrifices and we have to make different lifestyle choices. But in the end, you have to ask yourself, where are your priorities and what is most important to you? So not to go off onto too much of a bunny trail here, but what would what would you say um, about a charter school? A charter school. I've spoken a lot about charter schools. I've actually been very vocal in opposition to charter schools. I don't know how familiar you are, your listeners are with Charlotte Iserbit, but I would definitely encourage um, everyone, if you don't know anything about her, to read about her. She worked under Ronald Reagan in the education department, and she happened to be there when the United States made a deal with uh the the Soviet Union for polytechnical education and essentially what they were wanting to do was to create a global workforce and one way they sought to do that was through charter schools and then the big the overall picture of this is when you have charter schools public charter schools are nothing more than public schools and most, they accept federal funding. So the same things that are going on in private and public schools are going to be going on in those charter schools as well if they accept federal funding. And one of the seminar that I am um, currently offering to individuals goes into great detail because I, what I have done is I've actually gone in and pulled up the charter school applications that have applied in our state and you can see in black and white from their application that they are indeed doing all the same things that the public school system is doing. Mm -hmm. Then where it gets even more sticky is with a charter school it is complete and total taxation without representation because when we have a traditional public school, there is an elected school board, right? When you have a charter school, they appoint the board members. So the taxpayers have no say-so. Huh. So it's even worse than the public school. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there's um, a lot of information out there that has proven that charter schools, if you look at the the nation's, uh, I, I, and I've shared a lot of data about this over, over on For Your Children. And if any of your listeners would like that data, I'll be happy to provide it with them. But it, that it shows that charter schools rarely outcompete public schools. And a lot of the things that, that you see, um, charter schools say <laughs> about their statistics, you know, regarding how well, well their students perform, you really have to look at the bigger picture, you know, who are the students that are enrolled at this school? You know, how did they choose the students that are allowed to attend? There are a lot of variables that a lot of people do not um, realize um, that come into play when it comes to charter schools. But I have interviewed Mark Hall over on the Free Your Children radio show. And one of the largest charter school, um, one of the largest charter schools is the Fatula Gulen 
Charter School Network, and I have written about that. I'm a monthly contributor to the Borough Pulse, and I've actually written about that one as well. So I've shared lots of information about how charter schools have not been the answer, and in uh, most states, they've been a huge problem, costing taxpayers, you know, tons of money. Our new education, here's an example. Our new education commissioner in the state of Tennessee, she used to be, and she was on the board of IDEA Charter School. IDEA Charter School was a large charter school network, and they were in trouble for not paying their property taxes, for buying a boutique hotel, for leasing a private jet, and purchasing thousands of dollars of Antonio Spurs tickets, all on the dime of the taxpayer. In these troubling times, it's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us, and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. So there's lots of waste and um, fraud and mismanagement and of funds um, within the charter school network because they don't have as much oversight as your traditional public school. So the whole the whole purpose of school choice, because when people are asking about charter schools, really the crux of that is school choice. And I've spent a really long time trying to educate people about the dangers of school choice. We already have school choice. This is just a play on words. We have the right, we have, it's already legal for us to choose to homeschool our children, send our children to public schools or send our children to private schools. We already have school choice. What they're offering is for the government to give you money so that you can then take it and use it to spend on whatever educational option that you choose. But what they don't tell you is the real goal behind school choice is to make all forms of education government controlled because what the government funds, it runs. Mm-hmm. You're right. Absolutely. So if, Yeah. So if those government funds follow a child into the homeschool, the government is then going to demand accountability and they are going to tell you what you can teach, how you can teach it, and you're going to have to follow their rules. Same goes for private schools, same goes for charter schools. It's all one and the same. The only choice you're getting is location, but it's not going to be how and what your children are learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's Such a, a heavy topic, I know. <laughs> you know, I think it's important though. It's it's yes. important that that our eyes are opened about these things because Absolutely. It's, it's easy to um, you know, to just think that like I mentioned earlier, oh, your school is going to be so much different than my school or um, I have a small, you know, I have Christian teachers in my public school. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I have a different situation, but 
um, at the root, public school is public school, wherever right. you are. Exactly. And, you know, I'll say this too. Homeschooling is really the last frontier of freedom. And they know that. Yeah. So they're going to do whatever they can to weasel their way, for lack of a better term, into the homeschool community as well to get the big hand of government, you know, over us as well. Um, so there are a lot of homeschoolers that think, well, we're already out of the government system. None of this affects us. You know, we're over here doing our thing. Don't think for a minute that they don't have their eyes on those of us who are out from underneath that umbrella. That's the goal. The whole goal is to get everyone under the same government controlled educational umbrella. Mm -hmm. Right. And they'll do it by trying to dangle up the money carrot, you know, in front of families. And so families really need to understand what's really behind that. And then if your children are in, um, government schools, you also need to be aware that nationwide, the community school model has been adopted, the whole school, whole community, whole child model. And that model seeks to replace the parents and just get you out of the way. So the kids can come to school, the schools and get everything they need at school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I am hopeful that this will maybe be the straw that breaks the camel's back to somebody that maybe has been considering homeschooling and you know just not made that choice yet or been you know this close to pulling right public school but uh just haven't yet that this may be just what they need to encourage them to do so and maybe those that are hearing this that they're already homeschooling maybe they're weary you know right it's just a shot in the arm to remind them what part of why they're doing what they're doing absolutely um, to encourage them that you're on the right path, don't grow weary in well-doing, and that, um, you know, yes, these are these choices that we make for our children, they're not the easy choices. Right. We, you know, it's like you mentioned, there's sacrifice involved, mm -hmm. whether you put your child in a, pub, in a private school or mm -hmm. whether you're homeschooling, these are decisions that are not the norm. They're not easy. They're the right. Right, harder path. But- that's the way of the of the Christian, really, is right. taking that harder path. So I'm hoping that this will just encourage our listeners um, that um, that you know, in going maybe in taking that swimming upstream, taking that yes. uphill road, that they um, can be just reminded again that there's there's value in what they're doing, and uh, to press on. Absolutely. Stay the course. Your most important ministry is within the walls of your own home. Don't ever forget that. Just, you know, if you are already homeschooling, I will encourage you to just stay educated um, on what's going on in your state as far as legislation goes. You know, as the new legislative session in your area gears back up, watch for legislation that may be an attempt to usurp your parental rights, your educational rights, and then get involved. Get involved with organizations like Free Your Children that serve as watchdogs, you know, to help us continue to be able to homeschool um, and, and ask them, you know, what can I do? You know, how can I be effective? How can I join in the fight? And then if you have your children in government schools and you're listening to this information and you feel overwhelmed, don't be, because there are lots of us out there who are more than willing to help you, to help you do what you need to, to navigate out of that system and to, 
embrace, you know, homeschooling, or if you feel like you can't do that and, and you choose private school and that's the choice that your family makes, that's great. Just make sure that if you do consider a private school, you also need to make sure that that private school is also not accepting federal funding. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people want to see more information on what you do, is it freeyourchildren.com or free? It is. It is. They can find me on freeyourchildren.com. They can find articles that I have written on the Borough Pulse. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. Um, these days, it seems like I'm everywhere. <laughs> 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 and then again, um, I have the radio show that has a channel on Spotify. If you miss it live on WXRQ 1460 AM, you can go back and listen to previously aired shows on the Free Your Children Spotify channel. And then um, also, if you believe that you have an area or a group of people, if you're in an area or have a group of people that you think would be interested in hearing the information that I present in seminar form, you can reach out to me and we can discuss that as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. I just really appreciate you taking the time and spending time with us, opening up some of our listeners' um, eyes and ears to these things and just really appreciate you today. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time. Thank you.